you are the podcast master. Hey everybody, the 2020 PBR season is complete, finished, finalized, it's over. That means congratulations to the new world champion, Jose Vitor Lemmy crowned on Championship Sunday there at the PBR World Finals and could not think of a more deserving guy to call the world champion. Such an incredible moment, such a great week. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that in an upcoming episode of the podcast, but this week it's all about my partner in crime every week on the PBR's Unleash the Beast Tour and a guy that um doesn't do a lot of social media. He doesn't do a lot of... You know, being out in front of the public outside of our job on the microphone. And so when we started this podcast, it was all about introducing the world to some of the people that I'm a fan of and that I'm friends with and the the guys that I see behind the scenes. And this guy tells the stories of bull riders um, and and packs me around every weekend and, and makes me sound good. So it uh, it's been a partnership, I guess, that we've been doing this for quite a while off and on so um it was nice to sit down and just visit with a guy that i've become really really good friends with over the years and i hope you guys enjoy this podcast i hope you guys get a little bit of insight about you know who the real ca actually is he is uh man such a, a funny guy um really enjoy working next to that guy every weekend and you know it, it hasn't always been easy we haven't always been consistently uh, next to each other, you know. But when Brandon Bates retired, you know, we we stepped in and uh, you know made a run at it. It's been been a lot of fun, and so hopefully many many more PBR seasons to come. But anyways, I, I wanted people to get to know the guy that I stand next to every single weekend, and um, I think we do that in this podcast. So hope you guys are enjoying your November. Hope you guys are realizing how much we truly have to be thankful for, and hope you guys enjoy this episode. Really, really do. So um, let's get to it. This is my conversation with the one, the only, the real Clint Atkins, the original Bass Pro, the tackle addict himself. Being this close to the water, I mean, does it just drive you nuts that you're not throwing something out there? It does, but the only problem is that salt water. Oh, are you not a saltwater fisher? I love saltwater fishing. I just don't have the boat to go do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got. You. But but I love saltwater fishing. But yeah, I would. Uh, I wouldn't mind going out there and jumping in the old bay and swimming with some sharks. You know, uh, it kind of sets the tone. We got a a big door open. We're staring at the Gulf of Mexico. I think that's the Gulf. That right? is the Gulf. Okay, of Mexico, my geography's yeah. a little. Oh, crazy. It's actually but, Corpus Christi Bay, but you know, yeah, it's okay. There's a it's whole okay. bunch of water out there. there I know a that. Ton of water out and there's a whole lot of people with really loud cars I've found out in the last few seconds. Uh we were getting pretty loud. I, I wish we would have had the record button on because we just talked a whole lot of politics. We did. We won't talk we politics, but we don't, we, what's your favorite fish? What's your favorite bass? Thing? Okay. Bass. So if you and I take the boat out, yeah. And we 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 park the boat and I say, let's go to the hotel. Uh, you go to your room. I'll go to my room. We'll 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 go bass fishing in the morning. Yeah. And when you come back out to the boat, I say, "Oh, by the way, I caught one hundred eighty thousand bass last night." Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. 
No, anyways, but it's not happening. Anyways, it's not I happening. Just don't, I just don't. I just don't. I don't think you believe me. No. Uh, and I wouldn't take you bass fishing, by the way. Well, okay, why not? See, is you're. I think you're going to have the same problem Shorty Gorham's going to have. Uh, I don't think I have any of the problems, Shorty. <laughs> yeah, has. yeah. No, I mean, so a lot of people are this way. I, I am ate up with fishing bass fishing because I look at it as a competition. Right. I look at it as a like playing chess. To me, I've, every day I've got to go figure out how to catch them. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy uh, competitive bass fishing tournaments, but I don't get to go do many because uh, obviously our schedule right. you know, leads us around the country every weekend. So I don't get to do as many. So I make it a competition in my head when I come home. I, I hit the local tournaments. But my point of the reason why, uh, why I wouldn't take you is most people – don't like that type of fishing they like to throw a bobber out or go cat fishing and bass fishing is just there's a lot to it there's a lot of moving there's i mean it's just you're constantly doing something and you know you're changing lures and if you're not adept at throwing a bait caster in really tight places uh you're gonna have a hard time bass fishing people get discouraged with it that's why you you don't take your kids bass fishing like golf like uh, in in the Kinda. sense that like yeah. some people golf to relax right. and some people golf because they want to be the best golfer right i don't do either no because i hate golf but like no but if, i loved happy gilmore oh my god are you kidding me uh what was coach was it coach what was the guy's name what was the the guy? Oh yeah, coach. Yeah, coach, coach, yeah. coach. But shooter McGavin. Uh, shooter. I mean, come on, man, shooter. <laughs> uh, but uh, like with fishing, man, a lot of people just want to go sit out on the water and don't care yeah. if they ever catch anything. Yeah, you're yeah. ate up with it. I'm ate up. You with can't it. just go sit out on the water and not catch anything. No, no, I have a hard time doing that. Just again, it just goes back to I get that I get an adrenaline rush when I go out there. I mean, it's almost you know, I mean, it's. I'm addicted to that that search and 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 then being able to succeed to fool a bass into into to to hitting whatever I'm throwing or you know okay well I'm taking in the factor of the moon and the sun and the wind and the time of year the lake body that I'm on the water clarity the, you get uh, into all that huh? I, absolutely really absolutely because it helped it's like putting a puzzle together and you know. I, I can go out on Sam Rayburn Reservoir one day and catch bass and go, man, I'm dialed in. I know exactly where they're at. And then tomorrow I'll come back. They're gone. They're really? gone. Yeah. And I got to go figure it out again. So that's, that's the fun of it. Does your brain work like that with everything? Like, I mean, does everything have to be that? It's messed up. That It's uh, messed up. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> Uh, because and I say that because I know you're very methodical about like like the work that you put into our yeah. job. Like yeah. I, I've said this before, I don't think anybody works as hard at what we do as you do. Um, I, on the other hand, just show up. Yeah, and but like, you don't have to. That's I just okay. Show up and follow your lead. Yeah, but that's okay, and you Matt. That's... Pack me and carry me all season long. But I, but I mean it. Like later, but like, do you do you really just like do you look at everything like that? I I think I do. I, I think I overthink a lot of stuff. Um, but I worked so hard, you know, just in my job, it, it took me, I was telling a young man on my way up here, I was driving up here and he was, uh, I met his father last weekend at the world finals and he said, uh, you know, Hey, my son, you know, is thinking about, he's doing, uh, you know, starting to get into announcing and he really follows you. He's followed your career and studies you. And, 
man is there yeah i know i I was like yeah i was like made made me kind of feel old but but very i was humbled by it and so i I gave him my number and he reached out to me today and so i told him to call me and he so he called me up and uh, you know asked me for some advice and and you know it it took me 15 years fifth actually 16 years to, to go on that journey, once I figured out that I wanted to work for the professional bull riders, that the PBR was where my future lied if I was going to do this, I, I, I approached the job today exactly the same way that I did in 1995 in Brenham, Texas, and Cleveland, and, and uh, Giddings, and then, you know, I, I thought... I'd done hung the moon when I went to the Cowboy Professional Rodeo Association to CPRA finals in Austin. I, I just thought that was a, right. the neatest. But but I was there for a reason, and I didn't realize that the mentality that it takes for some people, like we're all different in how we're geared. My children, all all you know, both of them are different from each other. And I knew that I had talent on one end of the equation, but that wasn't going to be the whole equation. I was going to have to outwork people because my yeah. brain, I knew that my brain had, uh, had, had, uh, Oh, I, I you know, I, the, the memory portion uh, of my head. And I think that's, if I slow down a little bit, like my, my memory works a lot better than, than, uh, probably what I give it credit for. But anyhow, but yeah, I, I think it does work that way. I've worked so hard at it, Matt to get to this point and it was drilled into my head from my late father i mean you have to work hard you have to outwork everybody else you cannot leave any stone unturned and that's the outlook that i took in amateur rodeo and it eventually paid dividends that 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 work ethic and uh i i do the same thing with bass fishing i just wish i could do it more often yeah you know but but i think there's there's so much to be said for that because i think that that what you just said is what our entire society is missing. The fact right. that in order to get what you want, you have to work for it. Yeah. I and I know a lot of times people, you know, they mess around and oh well, you know, Matt doesn't work, he doesn't put the time in or whatever. Like That's okay. Mine's Matt. That's mine, okay. But, but mine is way different. Like my study You're different. My studying is different. Because for me, you yeah. and I can sit and I'll talk to you right. for an hour. Right. That's my research. Because I'll remember yeah. what we talked exactly. about once we get to in in Matt, but Matt, when you and I get to to this point in our career where we obviously we work together every weekend, right. we can't be the same. We have to be different. And and your approach and how you throw information at people has got to be totally different from the way that i do it right matt has to be matt and clint has to be clint and when in in you and i when we get to this point we're not searching to be anybody else that's right and 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 it's the same thing like i told that young man it's no different than what i would tell a struggling bull rider go look in the mirror look and take a deep look at yourself inside find out what you want to do Truly, what's that fire that's going to burn in you? If it's riding bulls in the PBR, you have to dedicate every waking second mm-hmm. to that thought. And you've got to dedicate everything that you do towards that goal. And it's the same thing, same approach I told him. I said, if you decide you want to be, you want to take this announcing game, this is the best advice I can get you, you know, that I can give you. 
you got to be the best at it. And it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're a $250 jackpot bull riding the back of somebody's bar, yeah. you got to be the best. You have to. And and, and uh, I, I, I think it's paid dividends for me because I know when I first got to the PBR, oh, my goodness, I, I quit smoking cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I've known you for however long, 13, yeah. 14 years. Yeah. I didn't know you smoked. I did. I did. I went through. I mean, Matt, I mean, I got to tell you that. You know, I got married in 98. You do you do realize everything yeah. that's going on in your brain right now is realization that we are the old guys on this tour right I now. I know. I like, know. we really are the old guys. I know. And I didn't think I'd ever be the old guys. I'm with you. Are you drinking a damn Chuck Norris water? I am. I, I stopped by Seaforce <laughs> on my way down here to old Corpus Christi Bay. And, uh, yeah, I absolutely love Seaforce water. If you folks are listening to this and you haven't, tried sea force water uh asked for it in your store and it is fantastic and uh i love it it is the closest thing i grew up on well water i grew oh, up really yeah i grew up in sugarland texas outside of houston and, and we drank well water that's what we had and so when i drink the stuff that right. the 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 big soda companies bring out it doesn't taste good to me and uh, Chuck is uh, getting this right out of his ranch, just just outside of Navasota, Texas. And he lives there. I did a bull riding in Navasota one yeah, time. Yeah, Chuck lives in he his ranch. It's it's uh, it's. I mean, it's, anybody can see it. And really? of course, Sea Force is right across the street from the ranch. And uh, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, how much of a badass do you have to be to just like create like have your own water company? I, like Chuck Norris of all people, dude. Every time I drink it, like I want to, you know, do just, some type of karate move like he did. And it's good though. Walker, I'm a water Texas snob, and, yeah. and people think I'm crazy when I say different waters have different tastes. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's super clean. Yep, it's pure, powerful, and perfect. There's no other way to describe the water that erupts from the ground with such clarity and smoothness. Filtered through the volcanic rock and dating back twenty three thousand years ago to the last ice age. Sea Force natural artesian water comes directly from a living, sustainable aquifer deep underneath Chuck Norris's Lone Wolf Ranch. I didn't know if you were going to say deep underneath Chuck Lor- Chuck Norris's <laughs> loins or, or no. what. No, but it says it right there. I mean, this made is, from this, real uh, yeah. Walker Texas Ranger Walker, saliva. Texas Ranger. Saliva, boy, uh, yeah. just fills bottles up. Jeez, that's crazy. Phenomenal. I feel like you just like auditioned for the Chuck Norris water yeah, Chuck, if you're listening. job. He's not. No. Nobody is. Come on. No, not this true. it's been fun. Um but back to what we were talking about though. Okay. In bull riding, yeah. We see guys all the time they want to be JB Mooney. Well, sorry, you're not going to be. You, you there's there's no way. There's one JB. There's one Jess Lockwood, yeah. there was one Justin McBride, exactly and right. all of those guys are drastically different. Mm-hmm. They're different in their approach. They're different in their style. You want some Sea Force? Uh, no, I've got I've got some of the cheap, not so great well, water. I pour it in a cup. No, it's okay. okay. I, right. I appreciate right. it because if I can't get that stuff where I'm at, I'm gonna have to drive down to Texas, down to your part of the world, and, and get a. I'll send you some. Uh, uh, a load of it. That's good stuff. It, it really is good. Where do you shop? Uh, the grocery store. Yeah, what's the grocery store? Just it's a little homeland. It's a little well, homeland can get it. Not uh, really. Yeah. I don't I, like our our homeland has a hard time getting the doors open. Ask in the morning. Anyhow, so going back. Um, no, but there's there's only one. There, there's only one of each of these. Yep. 
That's these right. people. And, and in the announcing world, I don't know if you were the same, but I wanted to be either Clint McSpadden or Bob Tallman. And I feel like everybody at my time frame wanted to be Bob Tallman. Mm-hmm. Still do a lot of times. Right. But they just sound silly when they try to be Bob Tallman, I think. Well, yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, I always admired Bob. And uh, he uh, he is he is the best. And you know, there was a guy when I was growing up. And when I was rodeoing, I, I rode, you know, steers and calves and then rode bucking horses. And I got on some bulls, too. But uh, there was a uh, there was an announcer down there that uh, worked a lot of the amateur rodeos. His name was Doug Schultz, and Doug, uh, I think if I remember right, he worked for a coffee company during the week selling coffee, and then announced rodeos on the weekend. Really, and he was he was really good. And, and I noticed when I was riding, I always oh man, Doug's here. Yeah. And he, you know, back in those days, it was eight tr- it was cassettes. And he had a microphone and a cassette player with a deal. And man, he'd put ACDC in when the bull riding was going on or ZZ Top, you know. And then, and of course, he would do the youth rodeos. And I'll never forget, that was back when George Strait first came out with his first two albums, which I think are still some of the greatest works that George Strait ever did. And, uh, and he would play them over and over and over and over again. But man, when he picked it up... It, you know, you'd slack at two, three o'clock in the morning. There's old Doug. He'd just be out there talking, and he was fantastic. And then there was another guy. Uh, in fact, uh, speaking of a of a kind of a rodeo tie, uh, his son is a was a bullfighter in a PRCA blue jeans. Uh, oh, his yeah. his dad was one of the f- probably the greatest announcers. Really? In fact, I think if you ask Bob Tallman that too, Bob will tell you how how great. Huh. Blue's dad was. Blue's kind of gotten into a little bit of like commentary. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, I heard. I heard that he did. And and so I, like I heard. Blue. He's a cool guy. Yeah, I I heard those guys, and uh, you know when I got off into it, um, it was uh, it was kind of a crazy story how that happened too, and uh, but Bob Tallman told me one day he he asked me to come up and help him with a with an invitational calf rope and I was like Bob, is there anything you can tell me? Yeah, son. I can't do Bob. Tom. Yeah, I can't I, do I it. I can't either. Whatever you do, be you. Yeah, be you. Don't don't be me. Don't be anybody else. Just just be you. And and so I took that for what it was and tried to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And boom, here we go. I think that's the advice every great announcer gives every person that wants to be an announcer. Yeah, yeah. And, and rarely does anybody follow it to a team no uh-uh. we all try no. to be somebody and, and you find pieces but i think a lot of that's just trying to figure out who the hell we are like i didn't yeah. know i didn't know i didn't know what i was doing when i started hell yeah. i still don't know what i'm doing <laughs> um but you, you talked about you rode a little bit you yeah. rode some calves you rode some yep. bucking horses um how like where did that transition come from like when did you decide to pick up a microphone um i had a horse flip over on me in uh, in Bernie, Texas, set a amateur pro slash pro rodeo type situation, and I was uh, I was broke, and I was living up and or staying up in my mom and dad's lake house up in uh, up on Lake Livingston, and uh, trying to kind of get everything put back together, and uh, I was uh, going to a cowboy church there in trinity texas the rising sun cowboy church which was pastored by a prca judge at that time 
He's uh, Ron Canaster. He's uh, the late Ron Canaster. He passed away a couple years ago. And anyhow, I was uh, going out to cut wood with him one afternoon. And uh, I, I mean, man, we were slick. Gosh, it was 120 degrees. It was no wind. It was just a miserable day. And I was like, oh, Ron, I got I to figure out something, you know. And he said, you know what you need to do, son? I said, what's that? He said, we need an announcer for the bull ridings. Because I was, you know, I was getting ready to start getting on some bulls out there. Right. And uh, he said, we need an announcer. He said, we're going to pull out the speakers out of the church, and we're going to give you a microphone. And he said, I think that's what you need to do. Well, okay. Okay. Well, why you? Had you done something know, to make him uh-huh. no, think? No. He just No, I randomly. did not have this in my yeah, like, it, wasn't it was not in my plan. Mm. It was not in my plan. It was in his plan. Huh. And so they we went there, pulled two PVSP2 speakers out, turned the radio on, and I picked the microphone up and started doing the little bull riding there on Wednesday night or, or Thursday night, I can't remember. And uh, it started that way, and then one of the guys that brought some bulls there came up to me after it was over and said, hey, you want to – Go down to Grofton and do a rodeo for me in about two weeks. He said, "I'll pay you seventy five bucks." Oh, Matt, do you know jackpot. how? Do you know how bad I needed that seventy five dollars? <laughs> as bad as I needed seventy five dollars when they offered here, it to me. Here was the problem, though. I entered the bull riding at the rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the old Justin McKee so, double dip. So I had to, you know, and thank goodness my brother, my older brother Clay, was there, and he he was a bull rider. And, and uh, he, so he pulled, I did the rodeo and he pulled my rope and I had him hold my microphone and went and. Isn't that, isn't that crazy though? Around. Like you, you think back and, and, and I don't think people, especially kids these days for the most part, I don't think they understand the the things that we did to get to what we're doing right now. The $75 jobs. I promise you mm-hmm. the first time D Long called me and said, hey. I've got a rodeo for you. Mm-hmm. It's two days. It's in Iowa, and it pays three hundred and fifty a perf. One, I thought I was traveling halfway across the globe oh, going yeah. to Iowa, yep. so I was super. Yep. I was going to send uh, postcards back to my parents from Lake City, oh, Iowa. Yeah, you was on you know? the road, man. Shit, I was Come on. on. This is big I was deal. on the trail. Oh yeah, and then three hundred and fifty dollars times two. That was. Seven hundred dollars. That's what you got for your first. No, 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 no. I had been working, and I just thought, but like I remember when I made the jump from like one hundred twenty-five or one hundred fifty a perf to like randomly, this guy said, you know, it's gonna pay a little bit more. It was three twenty-five because I was gonna get six fifty for the weekend, and I thought, shit, steak dinners on me, and we ain't never gonna be broke again. Yeah, and yeah, I realized that. By the time I drove up there, set up my own speakers, did all that stuff, bought my hotel room, yeah, I broke even. You yeah, know, no, it, it was, I, 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 and, and Matt, for me, I lost money every weekend. Right. So oh, I, I did, did too, all that, but I traveled with a sound man. Oh, he really? He got 50% of everything that I made. Think what? about that. That was, the, but here, here, in this is how I rationalize that in my head to anybody that's listening. I rationalize. I need a consistent product each and every weekend. Yeah, which I, is smart. And 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 so I trained myself to learn how to do it. Set the system up on mini disc players. Well, I started out with CDs, but then reverted to mini disc because I couldn't afford the, a computer that because Pro Sounds had just started coming out. But I couldn't afford that. 
So I set the mini disc up and I knew that I needed consistency. And so throughout those 16 years, I basically used two sound guys. Really? That, and that was tough to pull off. Yeah. So I lost money every year. Every weekend, I lost money. It was truck, because tra- I was living in truck and trailer, mm-hmm. and sound system, all that stuff. He got 50%. Heck, hell, half the time, the checks weren't even the same, the right, right the, you know, the right, right, the right deal. But uh, you know what? Uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was all worth it, because I'm looking at the original Whataburger, Location is that the original? That is the original. That, like numero right uno. That's the number one. Yeah, that's it right there. That's where Waterbury started. Had just no idea. Hotel. It's right there. I just got yeah. so excited. Uh, yeah, uh, because that's landmark number one. I'm going to tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, I might go there tonight. Yeah. Um, and then the Selena Museum. Yeah, is that's, here. I've never been to the Selena Museum. I I, I haven't either. Yeah, but last I Googled. time I was here. And we'll get back to the to what we we're talking about. But it's funny. Jesus was talking about being here in Corpus Christi. I haven't been here since J.B. Mooney was a rookie. 2006. Okay. We were at, I'm not sure what they call this building now. 2006, 2005. Okay. One or the other. Yeah. So it uh, it was, at that time, I want to say it was American Airlines Arena or something. It's a Coliseum building here. And uh, it was hot. It was in the middle of the summer. J.B. had just won the event. And I was sitting on a couch, believe it or not, at the loading dock. And JB walked up and sat down on that couch. And he and I started having a conversation. And at some point, I looked over at JB and I said, JB, I said, uh, do you know that at that time the PBR had a magazine called the Pro Bull Rider magazine? Yeah. Yep. And I, I, I saw his picture was on the cover. He had just won, I think at that time, it was the U.S. Smokeless Touring Pro Championship, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, JB, I said, do you know that you're on the front cover of the Pro Bull Rider magazine? And he said, do what? Of course, he used another word. So yeah. Like, yeah, you know, and I yeah. won't use. And I said, no, I'm serious. He said, do you have one? I said, yes, I got a whole stack of them right here. I pulled it out, and he looked at it. And I'll never forget, he looked over at me, and he said, my mom's never going to believe this. <laughs> and I was like, well, you better believe it, buddy. There you are, yeah. you know? And uh, that's the last time I've been in Corpus Christi. So, Isn't it cool, though, you remember little things like yeah. that? I always say that, like, as far as my career, like, the, the big things that I remember are, you know, and, and I said this on stage the other day during the World Finals, um, standing in the middle of Thomas and Mac with Chris Shivers as he gives his kind of retirement you know, interview oh, yeah. and then yeah. goes to get yeah. on chicken on a chain. Yeah. When I did that, uh, same thing, Luke Snyder, mm-hmm. Brendan Clark, you know, the retirement things have always been kind of what I remembered. And then like little events, like I remember the first time I saw JB mm-hmm. was in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, JB, Travis Briscoe, Brian Canner, uh, LJ Jenkins. Um, there was another Brian one or two. Canner, they were wow. all in entered in the same bull riding and, and were nobodies. Yeah, like, yeah, Nobody yeah. knew who they yeah, were. Yeah. I didn't know who they were, and I, I remember Donald Owens going, "Hey, watch this guy. Mm-hmm. Watch, watch mm-hmm. this kid." Mm-hmm. And and he he had marked down four or five kids, and lo and behold, a year later, they're all superstars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and like getting to see that, I feel like we're seeing a few of those right now. I think we saw one at the World Finals the other day. I agree, hundred percent with you. Um, yeah, 
World Finals 2020. What's your perception of it? Um, I thought it was I thought it was great. I I, I thought that you know you're seeing you know the beginning of a new new dawn for a lot of great talent. I think uh, the sport is in good hands with the talent that it's got. Uh, and I loved the fact that it was a break. And what I mean by this is a break for the guys to be able to really focus on what they were there to do. Bingo. Um, Bingo. And, and, of course, COVID being the uh, the one to dictate, you know, not being able to go do signing and meeting with the public, which that's a double-edged sword. I love being around our fans. They're Same. just the best. Me too. And uh, Favorite part of my job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, But I think that the guys really had an opportunity to focus on what they had to do. They stayed dialed in. There weren't any distractions. And I, I think that was evident in what you saw in the the qualified rides. And I mean, don't don't get me wrong. You go. Dude, I, yeah, I really hope come that comes through. It. It, it's like they're having like hot rod races down in the middle of the street. Yeah, that's some that's motorcycle. I've never understood after. the loud car thing. Oh, man. And like revving up to a little. Fast and Furious car. I have no idea. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I have no idea. Light. Just... Now the lights are flickering. There's a ghost. Dude, the Whatever. hotel power went out last week. Really? Here? Oh, in, in uh, at, at the Arlington. Uh, at Arlington. Did, were you not staying at the same hotel I was? Yeah. Oh, okay. But that hotel yeah. has always had something happen. Oh, yeah. Remember, the elevators break. Every time we stay there, whether it's in February or whatever it is yeah. for Global Cup, the elevators yeah. always shut down. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's not my favorite hotel. But anyhow, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. I thought the finals were great. I, I missed. Uh, I missed Las Vegas. I missed going. I listen. The South Point there in Vegas is my absolute home away from home. Mm-hmm. I love staying out there. Um, and I missed that. I missed that this year. That's the one thing about the finals that the folks at the South Point take care of us so well that we get to go over there and get away. We get to be our set, and, and then we get that. to refocus, you know, there and recharge the old batteries because the, the PBR World Finals is a mental draining. It, it will just drain your batteries. My most stressful week yeah. of the entire year. And, 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 and Matt, it should be that way. Yep. It's got to be a challenge. Listen, if we had World Finals... Like this, each and every time. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it wouldn't be interesting, but it's got to be a grind. You're, we, we, we just had this conversation a little while ago, kind of. They're not going to give you anything. you got to go get it. If it's easy, everybody would be doing it. And the PBR challenges these guys at every turn, and Las Vegas will challenge you at every turn when an aspect of an athlete at the right. World Finals. And so I'm looking forward to getting it back. But I thought it was a success in Arlington. I'm proud of the PBR, uh, all the staff members, everything that they had to do to execute this under just immense scrutiny uh, and e- e- immense pressure uh, from from everywhere just to just to get that thing pulled off. Yeah, so. you, you feel like people are just – it's like that old song – Always feel like somebody's watching me. Oh, I feel like goodness, yeah. everybody's watching because everybody's yeah. expecting you to fail. Yeah. Everybody's expecting you know this event to be a dumpster fire like like the rest of 2020 has been. Yeah. Well, I'm not like patting ourselves on the back. 2020 mm-hmm. has been a pretty good PBR season. Yeah. I, I really do think that we've done some some things really good. 
my personal outlook is inside the arena, as far as inside the actual panels on the dirt, maybe the best finals I've ever seen. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was so much fun to watch. 95 and three-quarter points, Jose Vitor Lemmy. Holy cow. How good is this guy? I think he could have been more, but... I, 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 that's just okay. me. So I got to tell you, All right. I go to the press conference that yeah. night to host it. And, you know, I'm still kind of revved up about that because right. you and I, we put a lot of emotion. We put a lot of energy. And by the time we're done with the show, I'm exhausted, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, especially at the world finals. Like I'm, I'm exhausted. I want to answer, by the way, I know you're exhausted. Hit a pause in them. Yeah. I would like to round out and let your listeners know why you go, well, why would you be exhausted? You're just talking. I have the answer to oh, that, by the way. Okay, hit them with it. I, oh, right now? Yeah. Okay. Because here, I, here. I get so frustrated okay. when people go, well, you just you talk. You just talk for a living. Yeah. Listen, here's this Shorty Gorham, when he first took on the job of being television, mm-hmm. being on TV, and bullfighting, he went a year after that, because we traveled together, stayed in rooms together, and he was exhausted. Mm-hmm. After it was over with, man, I'm just exhausted. I don't understand. I said, man, you need to go see a doctor. And then next week, ah, ah, next week would go along. And after the show's over with, after the weekend, man, I'm exhausted. Finally, he broke down and went to a doctor. Mm-hmm. This is what his doctor told him. He said, well, Shorty, what are you doing different? Well, I don't know, Doc. I've been fighting bulls forever. And Well, there's got to be something different that you're doing. He's like, well, I'm doing television, too. Yeah, the but doc I'm just was talking. Like, but I'm just talking. That's exactly what he said. And the doctor was like, hey, so you're not only fighting bulls, but you're listening to somebody and then you're having to react to that? And he was like, well, yeah. And he was like, when you are in that, when you have the blinders on and you're in intense concentration, which is what we're in, for that amount of time, our brain is making a chemical that is sending it out to our body, which allows Mm -hmm. it, that tells our body, our muscles, hey, we're tired. We're tired. That same thing happens. That same thing happens. That's why we're exhausted. So for all of you people out there, ah, you just talk for a living. Uh, <laughs> but if you're doing it right, you're using you're every right, emotion. Absolutely. If you're doing absolutely. it right, you're using every emotion. You're putting every ounce of energy you have into it because you're passionate about your job. And the third thing that I don't think people realize that we do is, is we have a lot of decision making right. that comes along with our job. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to go into this commercial break at this point? Do we right. wait? And, and little things that we put pressure on ourselves. But when a guy gets hurt, the mental stress we put ourselves through on not wanting to say the wrong thing, mm-hmm. not wanting to talk at the wrong time, and, and like cover every situation with yeah. the right, yeah, you know, uh, it's, approach. It, it's stressful I, at this level, that's for sure. I wish, yeah, I wish people, I wish people could hear our conversations off the microphone. Uh, the filtered versions <laughs> without the yeah. F words that I throw out there. But, um, man, I, I completely forgot what we were talking about. Uh, you were, what were you talking about being exhausted? Oh, yeah. 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 The end of the world finals, I was, I was completely exhausted. But that night in particular, I, I sat down and I was like, man, did Clint and I just have everybody's motor running? And was the music loud enough that those judges saw? You know, they they just really got into yeah. it and maybe gave yeah. him a little extra. And, and I had one of the media girls that said, "Pull that, 
pull that up. I want to yeah, watch it again. Yeah, yeah. And I bet I watched it 12, 15 more yeah, times. I did too. In the next few seconds. And every time I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Yeah. I got to sit yeah. there and watch that. I think, I think that if that bull had started the same way that he finished. Yeah. I, I, I think that it, you know, when you look at it in context, and I know the guys on Ride Pass went back and pulled, you know, those great bull rides that were 96-plus yeah. points, and I, I get it, and I think that was a better ride than them. Uh, but in the context of everything, it was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I look at, like, what Boudreaux Campbell did, and then Jose Vitor Lime finally winning the world championship. And, uh, and, and I look at bulls like him, I go, wow. The future is bright, my man. The future is bright because who's going to end up with Whoopa? It's exciting. You know? Yep. Yeah. Cause, you know? And that bull's just a four-year-old. He's a baby. He's a classic bull. So so we've at least got, you know, a solid three, four, five more seasons out of him maybe. And there was some really good classic bulls that were out. You know, the top ones. Oh, yep. man. Goodness gracious. Yep. They were fantastic. Yep. We talked about some of those could have been like world championship yep. oh, caliber yeah. contenders. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um. What was the biggest surprise? Did you have a big surprise, World Finals? Um, I thought J.B. Mooney would do better. I did, too. What he did. I, I, I really thought that going in, that was the guy that I really wanted to, uh, you know, that I thought was going to make some noise because he was surging right there at the end of the season. And uh, I, I'm not – I don't know. I, I, I expected uh, – I expected a lot better performance out of him. Do you feel like we're not supposed to have favorites? Because I do. I mean, I feel like people expect us to be very impartial, but I can't help but cheer for a guy like JB. I can't help but cheer for a guy like Jose, Joao, Ricardo Vieta. Like like the good guys, the guys that I like. Yeah. I mean, I want to I wanna be fair to everybody. Right. But, but there's times, there's moments, there's certain situations. I mean – if somebody's been struggling and hasn't ridden a bull in mm-hmm, 10, mm-hmm. 11, 12, yeah, uh, Derek yeah. Kolbaba, for instance, yeah, when he went yeah. on that cold streak, yeah. I was pulling for him to ride the next one more than yeah, anybody. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I have, I mean, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, Joao, Ricardo, Vieta, and I are really good friends. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm good friends with, with, with a lot of the guys. I, 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 I don't, I hope I don't show any favoritism to any of them. I don't think I do. No, you know, I don't I, think I, I, I really I don't think I don't think we do. But I think there's times where I just I pull for guys, man, like like the JB story this year where everybody was doubting him. I wanted him to win. I wanted him to be able to say, mm, yeah, look, yeah, I didn't want. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, no, I just, I'm with you. I'm I get into you. it. I'm with you. And it's fun because we're fans. Yeah, we uh, we argue about the first time we ever worked together. What? Yeah. Because when was that? you say it's in a in the wrong city. It was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And you always tell me it was somewhere else. But it was the uh, Luke Snyder Invitational presented by Egg. And you're saying that was in Harrisburg. Harrisburg, Was that the big the building that had that was made of wood, the wooden? It felt like a big barn. It was a big barn. I didn't even, I, I don't remember those. Harris, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And the Luke Snyder Invitational presented was by, by Egg. Egg. Yeah, Just I remember that. Egg. Yeah, yeah. He had uh, a crazy. He had a crazy uh, agent at that moment. Uh, yeah, like there was Forget a whole slew name. of them. Um, I'll think of it in a minute. But, I think he's like in horse racing now or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You never had an agent? 
No. You you never de facto. I mean, you know, even even to this day, prodigal sports. I, I they they help me a little bit, but really? I don't have an agent. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's because Brandon and those guys, they're awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, and prodigal friends helped with all me. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I you know nowadays. I mean, I'm trying to dial it back. I'm not trying to go really. Leave. Yeah. Yeah, I, I need uh, to. I, need I to. I ask because I know, like Kate and I have talked. She has yeah. an agent, like, yeah. and those people, especially in the TV world, There's a lot of freelance work going yeah. on there, man. You need one. Yeah, you need one. TV's not anything. Is it something you wanted to do? No, no. I've done three broadcasts for Craig when he got run over by a car. Yeah, and I remember that. Thackerville. <laughs> Thackerville. I did you did Thackerville, one. Chicago, and I forget where the other one was. Uh, but yeah, I was scared to death. Really? They had fun. Yeah. Once I got off into it, I had fun. Uh, Justin McBride, I did one with him and I think I did two with Justin and one with JW. Oh, Oklahoma City. That's where okay. the other one was. Yep. And, uh, man, once I got into it and of course, Carlos, who you guys probably never heard of him. He's the producer of the television show and uh, he was phenomenal. I mean, just yeah. Or he might be the director. I'm not exactly what it sure his Pretty title sure. is, but you know, he touches the old button and tells us what's uh, what's going on, what's coming up next. And if it wasn't for for him, when those guys come over your ear and they're calm and they're cool and they're collective, it was reassuring that hey, everything's good. Hey, good call, you know. And so it was it was different though. I mean, doing television is totally different than the job that you and I do. You know, most memorable moment in your PBR career? Oh, that's easy. That's when I got on three spot That's exactly Billings. what I was hoping you would say. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. that was going to be my follow-up if it wasn't. Yeah. Why in the hell did you get on a bull? So here's the story. And this is, this is it. This is the true exact story. So uh, I've got two nephews. And at that time, uh, one was starting to show interest in riding bulls. And so I was talking to my brother about it, and he's like, man, I need to get a vest, and I can't afford to buy one of them. I said, hey, it's, you know what, let me talk to Cody Lambert. I said, if I tell Cody what's going on, I said, I bet you he'll go, hey, just call up here and get, tell him to give him a vest, you know, or to give me a discount or something, and I'll pay for it. So that championship Sunday in Billings, I saw an opportunity and uh, David Fournier and uh, and Cody Lambert were sitting there talking, and and I said, "Hey, I walked up to him. This is before catering, so it had to have been nine thirty in the morning, ten o'clock in the morning. I think the show started at one forty-five, and I walked up and told Cody Lambert the story. And before I could even get down to the end of it, he was like, "What in the world do you need a vest for? You're not, you had never been on a bull." Really? Well, it totally changed the narrative of where I was going. <laughs> and I had my, my, I've got two older brothers, and my second oldest brother had a practice pen at his house. Well, just two weeks before that, <laughs> that's so funny. My brother had these kids, these, what he called them, bull punks, and they would come over there, you know, they'd been to Cavenders, and the only reason they were getting on bulls is just to impress their girlfriend. You're right, you know? right, right. And they had no business being on the back of a bull. My little brother had this. I mean, my older brother, Clayt, had this little black muley, and man, he was just a duck spinner. Perfect, perfect practice bull. And so two weeks before Billings, um, I was over, took some bulls over to my brother's house to buck them, and those bull punks were there. 
And this kid had been trying to get on this bull and ride him around the corner for three months. And finally, my older brother lost patience with this kid, threw his hat on the ground, said, man, you need to quit riding bulls. That bull's so easy, even a rodeo announcer could ride him. And I went, <laughs> load him up. <laughs> so I got on him with tennis shoes and a flank rope. Oh, my gosh, I had so much fun. And so anyhow, fast forward two weeks, you know, I'm in Billings Championship Sunday. I'm going to try to get a vest for my nephew and Cody Lambert. What do you need a vest for? And I was like, you ain't never ridden a bull in your life. I was like, no, I got on one two weeks ago. I said, heck, my brother and I were even talking about if we could get on one bull, one bull, one last one, what would that bull be? And Cody said, well, what was it? I said, we both agreed it would be three spot. The cool paint muley that went to the NFR and the PBR finals. I think he went to PBR finals like five times, NFR like four or five. Bucked off Adriano twice. And he's like, well, he's here. I'll load him up. And I said, I, by gosh, you just go load that bull up and I'll get on him. And so, uh, yeah, I went and borrowed uh, Ross Coleman's chaps, boots, helmet vest uh i borrowed uh ryan mcconnell's bull rope and um brian herman's glove i think and uh (laughs) i'll never forget this so i'm in the locker room here's a little bit of an untold story i'm in the locker room burning my bull rope up getting everything ready you know i just right because these guys had Taking to use this stuff yep you know and so i had to figure out how, you know how everything was going to come together and so i'm in there getting this thing right you know making sure everything's adjusted properly and you know got my spurs on and everybody's hooping hollering and next thing i know in walks jw hart cody lambert and somebody else i forget who the other person was stock, some stock contractor and came in and in the locker room with the top 35 bulls in the world, I mean, top 35 bull riders in the world at that time, Cody Lambert, so everybody could hear, Clint, you don't have to do this. You know that, right? And dude, right as he said that, you could have heard a pin drop in that locker room. They were waiting. They were waiting to see what I was going to say. <laughs> and I turned and I looked at him and it took me about three seconds. I said, I appreciate that. But I'm an effing bull rider, and I'm about to show you. <laughs> and Cody Lambert said, well, okay. Oh, my God. And so, uh, yeah. So, Brennan Clark came and uh, picked the microphone up right as I left. I think I was in, like, the fourth section or something like that. And I, so, I left about five minutes before, went and put all my stuff on, and they loaded him up. And we went to town, and four seconds later, I'm in the dirt. Did you get all stretched out, warmed up? Oh, man, I was so sore after it was over with. But I also was two weeks ago prior getting on right. that other bull, too. Right. So, you know, you, you just you just use muscles that, that, that I had. And I was bigger than what I am now. I was that say, was a bad and, thing. And you weren't in I was as not good in a shape, shape as you are now. No, I was in bad shape. I remember that. Like, uh, it, it scared me a little bit for a couple of reasons. One, I didn't want you to get hurt. Two, I didn't think I was ready to take your position because ah. if you died... Uh, well, I be- know, but see, here's the thing, though, Matt. I took, and Brandon came up, and he was like, Clint, you sure you won't do this? And I said, yes. Yeah. I said, what, but but why? I said, but, well, to prove a couple of points, I said, but Brandon, he's number one, he's a muley. Right. 
And Number he two, wasn't mean. he's at the end. Of, yeah, he wasn't mean. He's never hooked anybody. I said he's at the end of his career. I said I'm gonna. I know I can get around a corner on him. Now whether I can get to eight seconds or not, I don't know. Right. Of course, in my mind, back of my mind, Brian Herman had reminded me right before I got out of there. He said, now, when he starts that backing up, and I went, oh, dude, I forgot that bull does back yeah. up a little bit. And and right at that point, the vision that came in my head, unfortunately, was the wrong thing, was my feet coming up. Yeah. And, of course, that's exactly what ended up happening. But I was – I knew enough, and Brian Herman even told the rest of the guys, it's okay. He knows enough. Right. Brian saw me ride. Right. So it wasn't like you had just no, announced your whole life. No, like, no, that's no, what no, I think people no. don't understand about right. you is because you come from a background. Me, I've been on one bull my entire right. life, and it was the worst decision I ever yeah. made ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, you actually had a background where yes. like you competed, yes. and, right, and right, you, right, right. you know, you had actually done the yeah. deal. And I, so, I don't think a lot of people realize it was that. a calculated risk. Listen, do not get me wrong. My wife, oh my gosh, she threw a fit, but she wasn't around when I was rodeoing. And yes, I could have gotten severely hurt just like anybody else. Uh, but I knew if I went down into the well, I had three of the best bullfighters in the world there. Yeah, I knew that I, I, I was versed enough to know what to do with that moment. As long as I didn't get knocked out, I'd be all right, stay on my feet, and try not to get flipped over, get right. my hand flipped over, which didn't happen. Right. And, uh, yeah, it uh, it but worked out. Name one other announcer that's ever gotten on a bull at a, at a PBR Built for Tough Series yeah. at the time. No. no none. none. It's none, never happened. No, uh-uh. And, I mean, how many guys that have wished they could say they – Got on a PBR World Finals bull. I mean, like those are things to me that you I know, think is cool you know, as shit. You know, okay, to wrap the story up, this, this is this is really this is really neat. Adriano came up to him about three four weeks after that, and he walked up to me. Said, "Where'd you learn to ride bulls?" And I went, "Well, Adriano, I've been doing it my whole life." And I said, "Why you ask?" He said, "Because I'd been on that bull three times, and you rode him farther than I ever did." Really? And I went, and it was a great compliment. Yeah. But at the time, I had to remind Adriano, Adriano, that bull was in his prime. Yeah. When you got on him, yeah. he wasn't when I got on yeah. him. So, uh, but it was cool. So anyhow, that's uh, that was a little bit of the you inside ever, baseball story. You ever like stop and just think about things like that, like like Adriano McBride? Ty Murray, Glaramy March, like all those greats. I really, really, really got humbled again last weekend thinking about just some of the things that Megan and I were talking on our way out of the arena because we were we were walking out with Kaiki and, mm-hmm. and we were going to take a picture because empty arena. We were yeah. the only ones oh, yeah. left, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and Kaiki's like, here, I'll take a picture for you. And so Kaiki's like, posing us and he's moving trying to get right angles and doing it all on his own and we were walking out of there and i said man you know how many people i've watched come up and beg that guy to take a picture or to mm-hmm. sign something and he's in there being our photographer like we take for granted how cool our jobs are no, but no, do you no. think back you look back and it's like man i got to hang out with this guy like do you have anybody like a couple of guys that when you look back you're like holy shit like i actually got to to hang with that guy um yeah I've, I've had those moments i've had those moments because you know my dad always told me my late dad always told me don't ever quit learning and i've had moments where i've i've been in meetings and i've listened to justin mcbride and ty murray and cody lambert and I would, I've learned stuff. You know, I was 42 years old or 38 or whatever time it was, however old I was, listening to these people. 
And I went, man, wow, this is the way these guys have thought their whole life. This is why they're champions. And, uh, and whether I knew it or not, uh, you know, I was implementing that same type of thought process into the into my career as an announcer and didn't realize it at the time. I wish I'd known that when I was riding bucking horses. But yeah, I've had those moments when I walked out of those meetings after listening to those guys. I learned so much by keeping my mouth shut and just being around in the aura of them and just listening to what they had to say. And and so that's why when that young man asked me, you know, I was telling you in the beginning of this podcast about, well, what advice do you have? I gave him the same advice that that, that I've learned from them. Mm-hmm. And those guys, the reason they've got the gold buckles and the million dollars and, and they've been so successful is is because somebody taught them that. Yeah. And I just got a master's class in how to be a champion. One of the coolest things for me has always been just sitting in the room mm-hmm. while some of those guys were carrying on a conversation Absolutely. and just being a fly on the wall. Yeah. Absolutely. Which frustrates me when I go out on the summertime and I go do some bull ridings. That's why I, I try to hang out with Chad Berger as much yeah. as I can yeah. Uh, yeah. when we're going and doing those. Yep. That's why I like most of my events are up north in the summertime because I, I, I have no tolerance for people that can't think that way yeah. when I get to out, you know, events that aren't uh, governed by, the, they may be um, uh, they're sanctioned, sanctioned by, the PBR, by the PBR. But they're not produced. But they're the not PBR. produced. Yep. Yeah, right. And 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 so I have very little tolerance for, for, for people that aren't willing to give the best that they can give. I just want everybody to do things. I don't, I don't like people to half-ass things. No, uh-uh. And, and I mean, when you show up to do a job, do it. Just That's do it. it as good as you can. That's it. Um, you've mentioned your dad a couple of times. You grew up a Texan. I did. What was what was what was Clint's childhood like? <laughs> were you were you into sports? Were you into fishing? Like what was it like? Oh no, rodeo. Uh, it was just rodeo. It was rodeo twenty four seven. I mean, basically, we we did would sneak off and go do some fishing, you know. But uh, you know, I always wanted rodeo. I always wanted to, to rope. I always wanted really? rope. Yeah, I, my oldest brother had a really nice roping horse, and he got to rope and very accomplished tie down roper. I say a very accomplished. I mean, he was uh, he was good enough to 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 go on and make a career out of it. But he chose bareback riding, and that's what I ended up doing, just because I had to pick a discipline, and it had to be in rough stock, and I didn't want saddle bronc riding. I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah. not putting my I'm not putting my feet in some stirrups. Not happening. Uh, bull riding. I, I I enjoyed it, uh, but I did wasn't my passion. Mean, the meaner, the nastiest bareback horse I could find is what I wanted. In fact, I was so ate up with it, and I grew up in Sugarland, Texas, which is outside of Houston. And in high school rodeo, we didn't have many good bucking horses around the old Houston area. So I actually, at that time in the early nineties. I would drive out to uh, West Texas where Lester Meyer had a really good pen of bucking horses. And I knew that I could go out there and get on horses that bucked. And that's how much I craved getting on good stuff. Because yeah. always in, in, in bull riding, same way. I mean, you know, yeah, 50% for the bull, 50% for the bull rider. But a bad bull can hurt you. You know, a, a crappy bull, mm-hmm. you know. And, and same way in the bareback riding. I wanted stuff that bucked. So. Right. But it was it was bull riding growing up. I mean, a uh, rodeo growing up, and um, you know, it a uh, little bit of fishing with my brothers, and and uh, you know, of course, that led me to uh, eventually announcing out of 
just it just happened. When you when you switched over and you did that, did, yeah. did you feel like it just kind of came easy to you? No, it didn't. It didn't. There was listen, man. Because I know how hard you worked. Yeah. But I, I didn't know if that was self induced or if like you if it kind of came natural. God or... God gave me a gift. He gave me two gifts. And it's not the gift of gab. I think out of the microphone that day in that in that arena, the Rising Sun Cowboy Church, it's still there, that arena. They still have a rodeo there every year. Uh, came a voice that I'd never heard before. I've never heard that. I didn't know. Yeah. I was like, oh, what was that? You know? And I went, huh, okay. And the other thing that I've been given the gift is to be able to to read and enunciate my words in a certain way. So when I read a commercial, it it's it's different than the way it's read by anybody else. Those are the two gifts that God gave me. What He didn't give give me was the was to be able to imp, imp, improv. Yeah. Okay. You do that very well, and you have to. Right. right. Flint does that phenomenally. Yeah. I don't have that ability, Matt, and it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning right. of this podcast. Yep. It's how my brain is engineered. So I fall back to everything that I prepped in going in. Yep. And then I knew, always knew, always knew in the back of my mind, I said, man, if one day I get, and this is what the analogy that I gave people, I said, I know if one day, because I was a big NASCAR fan at one point, I said, if I ever get off the dirt track and get into a cup car, I'm going to be able to beat them. I'm going to be able to be right, right there. And, of course, I've been given the ability to work with Brandon and then now you, and then I suddenly realize, okay, I can keep doing what I'm doing, and I find my niche, and then those guys will come in, and they pick up where I leave off, and that's where the magic happens. Right. That's where the magic happens. But i got to say this, though, because you've also, like what I've seen in the last couple of years yeah. is, like you have just, Cut loose a little bit, yeah, and, and, and yeah, like, yeah. like, I, like, I feel yeah. like, yeah. and I don't, I may be wrong, but I feel like you're having fun, yeah, every time we go to work, right, and yeah. it makes that improvisation easier. I think, I think that comes from from the fact that I've all, I've, we're all expendable commodities, That's right. okay, boy, ain't that the truth? And and I, I feel a little bit more comfortable in my role now, uh, just. Because the the executives, like I sh- listen, the executives know what I've been through. We haven't even, you know, it, this podcast would go t- way too long, and you people would turn it off if I told you everything that I've been through to get to this point. Oh, but there's a couple things we're gonna hit because before we it's, end. it's 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 it was a rough rough road, and ever since I saw the PBR in San Antonio, Texas, at the Alamo Dome, man, that changed my life. That was in '95. That's the year that I started. That's when the it, it, the idea got in my head that I went, okay, pro rodeo or PBR, pro rodeo, PBR. When I walked in the Alamo, mm-hmm. it wasn't the Alamo Dome. Freeman Coliseum, I'm so sorry about that. It's Freeman Coliseum. And uh, it was the Bud Light Cup. It changed my life that day because it was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, this is where yeah. I'm going. Yeah. And so, but now that I'm here... Now that I'm at, I think, 14 PBR finals, I'm confident in my role. They've The PBRs kept two. I mean, I, I just mentioned it. Brandon was the first one. You're the second one. And I'm confident in my ability with the guys that I work with every weekend. And I'm also confident in the fact that 
the executives know I bleed PBR, blood red. They know that I'm going to do, even to a fault, I've got the company's best interest. Well, when you got the right team and the team's winning, why would you change anything? You know, unless one of those team members decided to go get a hot rod car and run Dude, it up and yeah, down the street in Corpus Christi. That actually sounds good. Hey, uh, the waves are picking up out there, by the way, Matt West. Really? We yeah. might have to go surfing. By surfing. And by we, I mean, I'll, I'll sit and watch yeah, from a distance. Exactly, exactly. Uh, what was the hardest thing you had to, like, overcome? What was the hardest thing you had to deal with? Financially. I, I think that was the big thing. I, I, I got my wife, I've got a phenomenal wife that we got married in 1998. She has raised those children on the weekends when I've been gone. Um, and the challenge financially has been has been the biggest thing. And, I, I you know, thank goodness I, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, but it was such a un – I took the long road. I took the long road to get here. Um and uh, financially, it was rough. It was extremely it's rough. Scary. And that's why when I walk, uh, you know, in New York City, I remind Flynn about this every year. And then the other day, it hit me when I walked out of the hotel room and drove over the bridge. And there is AT&T Stadium. And, and I can remember the days when I went to Honey Grove, Texas, which was 40 miles down the road on 4th of July week. And just sweating and how miserable it was. But I gave everything that I had. Yeah. And never said who I was, but people were seeking me out because of the job that I did. And so I'm thankful every day that even though, you know, I'm away from where you're, you know, you're away from, from, from yours. I'm away from my family right now. And, and, uh, but it's been financially the hardship on my family, uh, going through that. And yeah, I know financially it's not as tough as what it has been, but that still doesn't take away from the fact that I'm not at home. Yeah. You know, and I promise you a decade ago, we weren't. Driving brand new rigs, we weren't oh, just no. going out buying whatever we oh, wanted. Eugene like, wasn't easing down the old road, and, uh, you know. Like it's hard. This yeah. industry is is hard to be successful at. I, I think in any capacity because you have so much uncertainty throughout the climb. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that that's another thing that people just don't get a hold of. They think, oh well, you know. I, I look at kids now that are announcers and i look at them on social media and i i I can see where i guarantee people think those guys are are living the high life no and i take it the path of least resistance that's it that's that's right um it's almost like finding a good doctor and like sometimes i just wish somebody would run a big banner across the sky and tell me a good doctor i got a good doctor uh, but you live in Oakland. Wasn't it a doctor that? Oh, you're talking about no the way story. In hell, oh my god, we're gosh. not doing a podcast, and, and you're not going to tell oh this story. Oh my god, this is okay. without a doubt, okay. without question. And Richard Jones tells yeah. tells a really good story. He does a fantastic he's story. A, like he's missed his he's calling. Hilarious. Um, I love him to death. Now we give him we give him fits all the time, but he's an incredible storyteller. But this is hands down my favorite story. Oh my! Ever. Oh my! And where was it? Uh, it was in Mercedes, Texas. Mercedes, yes. Texas. And uh, it, the arena is since covered, but it wasn't covered back in those days. So, yeah, I'm down there uh, working for Johnny Eccles and uh, Jerry Nelson. It was the uh, Double J Rodeo Company back in those days, and. Uh, 
So we're down there, and uh, it's uh, the final uh, performance on a Sunday afternoon. And I mean, I'm uh, listen. I'm so close to the Rio Grande, I could have thrown a rock into Mexico. I mean, it is right there. Yeah. Rio Grande's right there. And uh, man, it was Sunday, and people were just riled up. They had a big Saturday night with the big mariachi bands, and I mean, the party just continued into Sunday. And so uh, I'm back there, kind of getting everything ready to go. And I went and got my horse because back, you know, back in those days, I announced off horseback. And uh, this guy walks up to me, and he says, uh, "He says, uh, he says, you, uh, you, Senior Atkins?" And I said, "Yes, sir, I sure am." He said, "I said, how can I help you?" And he said, uh, "I am Doctor Jose Rodriguez." He said, uh, "I am the local dentist here in town." I said, uh, well, nice to meet you, Doc. And he said, I just want you to know, he said, uh, he said, uh, he said, I'm one of the sponsors of the rodeo. I said, oh, yeah, Doc. I said, we, we've been doing your deal. I said, are you okay with, with all the coverage you've been getting? Oh, no, it's been great. It's been great. He said, here's what I want you to do today for me. I said, what's that, Doc? He said, so I'm going to get my ultralight plane and I'm going to fly it over the arena right before we start the show. And he said, I would like you to tell everybody that if they bring the rodeo ticket in, you know, this week they're going to get 50% off teeth cleaning, you know, this week only. And I was like, Doc, that's a great idea. I mean, come on. <laughs> I said, absolutely. Right. I said, uh, so so you're going to make, I said, would you just do me a favor, make a real high pass and then make you a low pass so, I, you know, I can get my timing right. And he's, oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. So uh, we rock on longer, no problem. I got everything ready, and I got my pain horse, and I mean, I'm, I done cinched the old saddle up, grabbed the old microphone, and I ease on up, put one foot in the stirrup, and grab main and sink spur, and out we go out in the arena. To open the rodeo. To open the rodeo, right. yeah. You know, hey, everybody, glad to have you here. Championship Sunday, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm like, okay, there's the doc, you know, and he made his high pass. So I had everything written down on my notes, on my little thing. And I had an old paint horse back in those days that, you know, I could just stop that horse and he'd just drop the old back hip and just sit there, you know, no big deal. And so anyways, he was coming around and I'm like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, just a couple of minutes here. And I could see him coming in and he was making his bank this turn, you know, he was just Oh, I don't know. He was 300 feet above the roping box down there at the far end of the arena. And I mean, he was, he was just diving in top gun type stuff, you know. And I'm telling everybody, hey, everybody, don't forget this week. Hey, keep your rodeo tickets 50% off. You know, this week, Dr. Jose Rodriguez. And right then, I knew something was wrong. You know, I mean, because, I mean, obviously, his engine was going haywire. I think he banked it, I guess, too far. Maybe he was out of gas. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not I don't a know pilot. how that all goes. I don't goes. know how that stuff works. But it was all going wrong. And as I'm watching this and talking at the same time, not really realize what I'm, even my horse realized what was up. And, and old paint just kind of looked up and saw this. Behind the arena, right behind, remember, I'm in front of the bucking shoots. Right behind the arena is the biggest Ferris wheel you ever seen in your life. And he couldn't do anything. He hit it. Boom! 
just hit I don't that know why Ferris I'm wheel. Kaboom! Straight into the Ferris wheel. Straight into the Ferris wheel. And everybody, it was packed out. It was sold out. Sold out. There wasn't a seat left in this place. There had been 5,000 people there. They thought it was part of the show. They threw their hats in the airs and the beers went everywhere. And I looked down at the stock. I was like, hey, that dude just crashed. Like, what are we going to do here, Johnny? Oh, we're going to rodeo, son. <laughs> we're going to rodeo. Just go on with it. And man, they, that that was it was it was he did. How do you come back from that? Like, I mean, do you? Just I let ignore them. Well, it? they thought that it was part of the show, so I just went with it. And I just didn't say anything it. about it until they they had to cut him out of there. He didn't make it. Yeah, like, he died. Yeah, he didn't he didn't make it. But uh, yeah, let's rodeo. So no half off of teeth cleaning. There was no half off teeth cleaning that week. Now, oh there, my but, god, I, like I would have quit. I would have retired right no. there. No. I, I couldn't do this anymore. No, but yeah, that happened in Mercedes, Texas. I, I want to say Blue was there. That I don't even know. We, oh we, we spoke about Blue Jeans, Bullfighter, and I think he was down there at that, that moment. But anyway. If, uh, like, what's next? I mean, you've done 14 finals. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many Bates has done? I don't know. I, I don't remember I don't what he told me. I don't know. Because I asked him before he yeah. decided to ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Because... For me, that was always I, I needed to do more than Bates, <laughs> right? And then right, you got right, you got yeah. you got going, and, and you've got fourteen now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's the goal? Uh, I goal? D- that that I don't. I just, really don't. I, I really don't. I just keep going and and uh, see where this is going to take me. I, I I always, you know, thinking about spending more time at home and and and. You know, I'm having going to have to have those conversations, but with myself, right. and figure out what I, you know. But right now, till they kick me out, this is this is this is where I'm at. Yeah, at for this my moment. sake, let's not have those conversations <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it is is you know just going in the summertime. Yeah. You know, I think just I think that's step one, slowing down there, uh, and then uh, you know, I mean, I'm 47 years old. Are you you really? know, yeah, I'm 47. Damn, you're old. So, uh, and just think, I think I started when I was 22. Really? And so count 14 years. When I was 22, I was 300 pounds and basically had Cheetos connected to my hand at all uh, times. Hey, you know, it's uh, it's all relative, brother. Yeah, it's man. all relative. What Cheetos, a, I like Funyuns. Well, I, at that time, I'd eat yeah, anything. Yeah, it didn't matter what yeah. it was. <laughs> if if I could get it, yeah. I'd eat it. Um. If you weren't doing this, okay, what would you be doing? Uh, I'm gonna. I, 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 this is a two parter. Yeah. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? And then I'm gonna I'm gonna follow that up with, what would you want to do? I think I know the answer to that one, and they may be the same answer. Um, uh, believe it or not, I think I think I end up teaching school. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, in in 1999, I got really mad at a stock contractor, like really mad, and I went home and sold everything that I had in 1999, and I I refused to go, um, I refused to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not doing this. If you guys want me to go out, I just had my baby, I had my daughter. You know what? It was in 2000. It wasn't in 99. It was in 2000, and uh, my oldest daughter. 
uh, had just been born in November, did the CPRE finals two days after she was born. And uh, it was sometime that summer. So it was a summer of 2000 that I was so mad that I said, you know what, I'm out. I'm not going to do this anymore. If you want me to go out, you're going to pay me. And But no more sound system, no more nothing. And I went to work at a school. And I wasn't a certified school teacher, and I did. Uh, <laughs> I took care of discipline. The school had a discipline issue. Really? And I knew the principal, uh, kind of knew the superintendent, and I had a little bit of history with them, and they asked me to do a really unique job. And I spent three years in a junior high. And uh, thank goodness the superintendent, because about a year of, of taking phone calls from people that were calling, I'd tell them how much I wanted, they would hang up on me. So I wasn't making much money, but I was earning a check. And uh, after about a year of doing that, finally my phone rang and I looked down and somebody called and was like, hey, we'll give you $1,500 to go to Amarillo, Texas. And I went, uh, what do I got to bring? And they're like, nothing. And I went, oh, I'm in. Be there. <laughs> I'm in. I'll, I'll be, be there. there. And so that that was really the catalyst. And thank goodness that that those, you know, the, the, the vice principal, I mean, the principal and the superintendent were cool with me going off a little bit. It's not like I was gone every week. But what I got out of that is I dealt with the worst of the children that were there. And to this day, I see some every once in a while, and they go, as much of a jerk as I was of what I was trying to accomplish with these children, what I didn't realize was I was just being honest with them. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we give kids enough credit. Those children, the one thing, when I run into them, they say the same. They're not children anymore. They're adults. And the one thing that they tell me is, is you were the only one that I had that was consistent with me. Right. Even though you were a jerk. Even if you're But you were right with me. You weren't ever, I knew where I stood with you and what you stood for was the right way. And you were the only person that ever told us how the cow ate the cabbage. And we appreciate that. Man, and I, I've had I, several conversations like that. I was the director of a mentoring program through the Boys and Girls Club. Very similar situation where, like, the kids I was dealing with, you know, parents were incarcerated and things like that. For me, one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had mm -hmm. because it showed me how sometimes those kids that might have been acting up in school, right? That that's that's easily fixable sometimes mm -hmm. and that sometimes the quote-unquote trouble people are super good-hearted yeah. yeah yeah um back to that though yeah okay so be in school be teaching, right yeah being teaching, a school teacher probably if you were going to hang this up tomorrow yeah and could go do anything you wanted to do to make yeah. a living yeah for the rest of of however long you wanted to mm-hmm what would it be? It'd be bass fishing. I figured. Yeah, of course. I figured. Yeah, it'd be bass fishing. Like, have you ever thought about like seriously going out and just just trying? Yeah, but listen, the, you know, there's only a very small majority of people that make a living doing it. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to go guiding trips. That's not. I don't want to be a fishing guide. That's that's not what I want to do. Um, I don't think there's any drilling in that. Uh, but. The, the the competitive side of bass fishing is it's a it is tough 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 world and because bass fishing is uh, unlike bull riding which we have you know back you can go back to the history of the PBR and you look at the sponsors in their very first year versus the sponsors today you'll see a lot of non endemic sponsorships uh, not every one of them but but a lot that that just are non endemic you know. Um, 
bass fishing is different. Bass fishing has a uh, has several problems with it, and and one of them is the fact that they can't draw in non non endemic. If you don't know what that is, I, I'm talking sponsors that that, that don't have anything that are associated with the industry come you know yeah they come from the outside, yeah, from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. uh and and bass fishing you'll see you look at a lot of those guys and they're sponsored by Daiwa or bass pro shops uh whatnot have you see very few of them that are with you know cooper tire shell rotella and i don't don't get me wrong there are some sponsors that's, that that have come in to bass fishing but very very few and so the money is not there. I don't want to live in the back of a pickup truck. I don't want to yeah. do that. I yeah. don't. I've been through that. I've spent 15 years living out of a Capri camper that door was messed up on it that I had to tie with a rope. <laughs> and that's another story. Slam shut. Oh my gosh! I was in Rio Grande City, Texas. This is no kidding. Let is me that tell even you this a real quick. place. It is a real place. It's about oh. two hours from here. We, my, my sound man at the time, he thought, and I had a 2000, I had a 1993 Dodge three quarter ton white automatic transmission that would never go into overdrive. And I couldn't afford to fix it. So I'd all drive down the road doing 56 miles per hour. Had half my speakers in the back. Actually, I think probably had the majority of the speakers in the Capri camper. It's crazy. I didn't, couldn't afford a trailer. Most Always of the time, the camper yeah. Well, I had one, and and it was. <laughs> there's another story behind that. So the Capri camper that I bought, I bought from Sam Medlock, who Sam rode bulls in the PBR, but he was also a calf roper. And people probably didn't remember if you remember Sam Medlock, he was actually Sam? a great tie down roper. Oh, he was fantastic. I bought it from him. He had bought it from Roy Cooper. All right. And as I'm cleaning the camper out, I look up, and of course, it's one of the full campers. I had the shower and everything and the full bed over the top of the cab. And I was cleaning it and had the lights on, and I looked up, and there was, you know, how, like, the the prisoners will go and scratch stuff in the cell walls, you know? And up there at the very top, it was, Tanya was here. Well... Yeah. It was Tanya Tucker. Yeah, since we... Yeah. Yeah. So... Who, who I think has a crush on me. I'm I, I like that Tanya. Out there. She's awesome. Man, She's awesome. we went, I went and watched her yeah. before Cheyenne last time yeah. we were in Cheyenne. I missed that. She's wild as shit, oh, man. Man, Tanya's awesome. I love... And sure, hey, her, her new stuff is good. Listen, let me get to the story okay, okay. before we get back to Tanya Tucker. So, there... I, and I had ripped the door off of the camper... Somehow, I don't know how it happened, but the old door was all messed up, and I had to tie it. And so we get into Rio Grande City about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. They had been partying all night long. There's gunshots going off everywhere. I mean, again, I'm on the I'm on the border, you know, and I'm like, geez, Louise. And so Heath and I are and like, hey, how are we going? I didn't have a – I couldn't afford a hotel room. We were going to stay in a camper. And I was going to leave the truck running because I had a boot in between them and I let the air come into the back of the deal. That's how we're going to sleep. And he's like, man, do you feel comfortable doing this? I said, no, but I don't have any money for a hotel. So we devised a plan for security that night. Okay. And here's the plan. The plan was is Heath was going to sleep up on the top bunk and I was going to sleep on the bunk that was right next to the boot, which is you go in from the camper into right. the cab of the truck. And I would sleep there. 
and we would tie a rope, and we did this because he had a big gun that he always took with him. One of them, mm-hmm. you know, one of them Clint Eastwood, uh, oh, mag, yeah. you know, yeah. big thing. He always had one with him, and I said, "I'm gonna tie a rope from your leg to the door." <laughs> true, <laughs> this is true. And I said, oh. "If somebody opens that door, it's gonna wake you up. You point the gun at them." And what I'll do, you do something, scream, wake me up, and I'll jump through the boot of the camper, put it in drive, and put my hand down on the gas, and we'll just go. Oh, my God. Because the truck was on. That was our our security that night. Because it was, I mean, there was a lot of gunshots going off. I mean, they were partying. Really? Oh, geez, Louise. Yeah, that freaked me out, man. I think I'd find a different place to park. Well, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the good news I didn't realize is is the sheriff was putting on the rodeo down there, oh, and it okay. was a, it was election year, and I, my job was to get help him get reelected, you know, because like I think the election was like the week after that or something, and uh, yeah, I was so actually, you were a pawn. I was in politics. I was for 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 a, for a brief moment. I was a lot he, of those floating around these days. Yeah, the only problem with that is he got reelected, and then like two three years later, I'm sitting there watching ABC's 2020 with Connie Chung, and they're talking about corruption and how the FBI had to arrest this sheriff of Star County, and boom, there was the picture of the sheriff. Oh my oh, gosh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. So he he ended up. I think he's still in prison. Uh, anyway, you know our buddy Mo Bandy. Oh yeah, Mo Bandy took me backstage. The Grand Ole Opry introduced me to Tanya Tucker. Ah, and yeah, I appreciate the invite on that. That girl, she is uh, everything you've ever heard. Hey, she's she's. I'm a fan. I love Tanya Tucker. I love. I her. just I love that old music. And let me tell you something. Her new album, so got, good. I'm down with it. So good. Down she's so it. good. Yeah, down uh, with she's it. crazy, but she's so good. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I feel like we were going to talk about something else, but. Man, are they going to listen this long? I feel like we could do a hundred of these. Oh like, yeah, I really no, do. We I, do this I'm every full weekend. Of stories. I just it's, don't. Uh, know where I, I know. I mean, it's, it's we're going to have to do this again. You're not much on social media. No, I'm but not. You have it. I'm not. I'm not. But it's the real Clint Atkins. It is. I tag Instagram. you and shit all the time, and you just ignore so, it. So Matt, I don't even know if I can even get on Instagram. Uh, I, I listen. I just because. You're you. I'm. See, oh, oh, you. See, I don't even know my password. Oh my gosh, that's sad. Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't I, even know people still went to that screen where you had to like type everything. Incorrect in. password. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know how you do this. Forgot password. I don't know. Man. Yeah. Don't know. It ain't that big a deal. But I don't know. All right. I, I got a love hate relationship with social media. Yeah, I hey man. I've always been the fact that, like, I told my brother this the other night. We're you know getting ready for Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're gonna have. By gosh, we're gonna have the whole family. Oh yes. Oh really? Yeah, absolutely. T- absolutely. You mean Texas isn't putting you on lockdown? No man. Our governor in? came out. Thank goodness, came out yesterday and said, "I don't care what happens. We're not shutting this." He scared down. me a little bit earlier this we're not, year. I we're not was... shutting the state down. I th- <clears throat> listen. I think he he got. I think he drank the Kool Aid. Yeah. I think he drank the Kool-Aid, and I think that he realized what's going on. Listen, we know different from what what we know this past summer. Um, and, I, hey, I'm not being dumb about it. I still take my precautions and what I should be doing. But um, I think he, he realizes, number one, his team went around the state. The hospitals are not overloaded. Right. Uh, the, we're we're going to have a vaccine any day. And uh, I thank goodness that uh, – 
We don't yeah, live oh, in California. Yeah, exactly. So I told, but go rounding back to the social media, I told my brother, if I'm on social media and I know everything that you do, Clay, when I get around that campfire on Wednesday night, what are we going to talk about? That's right. That's right. But you know what? If you're a true friend of mine, you have my number and you'll right. call me up. That's right. I, uh, I, I love social media for the simple fact that, I, one, that's how I met Megan. Yeah. Two, I get so much positive feedback. Like, there's just so many good people in the world that you don't, that aren't, quote unquote, in our inner circle. I'm with you. And and then for me, the third thing is like, my family can keep up. Absolutely. Because we don't have time to, you know. Uh, Matt, uh, here's here's what his last thing I'm going to say. And and, uh, I I am, am believing that here shortly I'm starting to do my research. There are some alternatives out there. I know that they're not the big three. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feed them anymore. Right. I'm not gonna feed their habit. Uh, I'm I'm just not going to. And that's 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 been my biggest problem. Is is uh, I feel like that 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 they're turning around and stabbing this country in the back every chance they get. So I, I'm just not gonna play the game. It's, it's so. hard. It's hard not to agree with that. So very much so. But but there are alternatives coming, and I think that there's there, a lot there of good are. ones. There's a lot, of good ones. a lot of stuff coming. So, uh, man, I appreciate you doing this. You bet. I know you just rolled in. Fun. So, uh, big world finals. It's been a crazy year, but holy crap, it's been fun. It has. Uh, it has. Let's do it again next year. A- absolutely. All right, buddy. Uh, more stories. Got tons of stories. We're gonna we're gonna do this again soon. All right, man. Appreciate it.